Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Everyone, and welcome back to Heart Leadership. This week we're exploring, connecting with others. Leaders in spirit-respecting workplaces are deeply connected with everyone. Leaders love, value and respect both themselves and others. Trust is assumed and faith is given. Trust and faith are unconditional. They can't be earned, but <laughs> they can be lost relatively easy. When we are warm, caring and sympathetic, truly putting ourselves in each other's shoes, we bring people together as a oneness, as a wholeness, and a completely new dimension. When we lead from the heart, we focus on what we have in common, what connects us rather than what separates us. If we are to be leaders who respect the spirits of our workers, it's really important for us to realize that every person is part of something greater than the spot he or she holds on the organizational chart. Each individual is a living, breathing human being with hopes, dreams, and creativity waiting to take form and purpose to be realized. Each is deeply connected to their family and friends. Each is deeply connected to their community, our community. We're all integrally connected in the human race and in the cycle of generations that continues to unfold minute by minute. We are all woven into an intricate web of life in symbiotic relationship from which we either retain the integrity of the whole, a whole, and all emerge as winners, or by extraction or damage or even a single thread, all dissolves, all falls apart, and we become losers. When we really, truly seek connection, we give up the win game, the win and lose games. Win and lose is not a game that's possible when we live from our spirits. Instead of falling into this competitive drive, this mode of reaction, 
we seek perspectives and situation. So that allows everyone, that allows all of us to win. When we become angry because a worker has filed a grievance against us and we decide to get even, we may win a personal game of vengeance. They're all lose in the long run. We probably missed the learning from the grievance. Or we wouldn't be angry in the first place. The worker may lose a job that's really needed. The company may lose a worker in whom it has invested so much time and effort. It may hold that spark of creativity needed for a significant competitive breakthrough. A leader who, f who leads from spirit wants to discover what action or perception motivated the grievance so that both the worker and manager can learn, can learn from the situation. In this way, we all win. It's a win-win. We're better leaders because we've learned. The worker's probably a better team member because he or she feels important listened to, cared to. More important, the worker understands how we all can work together better and is much more likely to be committed to the employer because he or she feels safe. This is part of the bigger family. Safe at addressing concerns and also if they happen to make mistakes, they own up about it. They come clean, as we would say. But it's not really coming clean. It's been true to their heart, being true to the heart of the organisation. It's being safe for everyone. It's this integrity that we're talking about. Every situation has a potential to be a win-win when you let it be. Every situation has a potential to build connection if we let it be. As we seek connection rather than separation, differences are honoured as part of our uniqueness that is the spirit within each of us. We create connection when we let go of attachment to a particular way of doing things and focus instead on achieving our purpose. There may be many, many ways to achieve the same goal, the same purpose. Each of us needs an outlet for creative expression, to learn, to grow, to use our abilities in a way that is uniquely suited to our specific talents. When the desired end is, is found, is achieved, everyone is respected throughout the process. There's no right or wrong ways of doing things, only different ways. For me, it's about asking, listening, creating space. The power of the question could, make, could be the most underrated and overlooked leverage we have in our organisation. It's a powerful decision-making device and a powerful learning tool. Discussions during meetings often degenerate 
to A's promoting one perspective and B's promoting another and a subsequent compromise or a win-lose decision. Little group learning happens. And because we've been focusing on A or B's perspective, many other possibilities, opportunities are overlooked. Questions can help us discover new possibilities and understand all alternatives. Most of us aren't accustomed to thinking in terms of questions. We have to practice developing information and idea-generating questions. And then learning to sequence them to help us bring deeper, greater understanding to the issue in the table. One of the hardest things for people I've worked with is to learn to ask an open-ended question that generates information, especially when they think they know the answer. And I found this particularly with behavioural-based safety leadership within the energy sector that I worked in. It's, it's the old principle again, rather than closed questions, it's a who, what, where, why, and how. Careful a bit about the why, but having these open questions give us so much power. For example, I thought provoking question could be what are all the points in a process where we could increase our collection percentage? Or if everyone in our organisation took responsibility for collections, where would the the leverage points be? I've also found that, the, as I've said, the why questions generate little that's useful and also <laughs> frequently lead to blame, blame-casting, glory-grabbing, defensiveness and win-lose thinking. What questions tend to be the most useful early on and how questions make a useful contribution only when the what has been well defined. I often ask groups, what would be different about your decision making if you asked every process, starting every process by asking, what do you want? They discover they currently spend much of their decision making time focusing on what they don't want rather than what they do want and change tasks and the process outcomes from where they're heading. However, I find that if you ask, what do you want? That helps define both the tasks that we're dealing with and the process outcomes. What is it we're actually trying to do? It's also easier to take part when you start with a de- defining question rather than responding rapidly to someone's specific idea of how to do something. Other outcomes from such questions include 
happier, happier people. Happier people taking part, more productive use of time, more narrowly focused scope. Scope, greater buy-in. Once you know what the scope is, you've got the buy-in. It's the release of the passion and far better decision-making. Better opportunities to prevent the worst happening, to prevent disaster. Groups rarely ask the defining questions that determine what they're going to do. They jump in and try to figure out how to do it along with what do we want individually and collectively. Some other what questions that are good in the early stage of problem assessment and decision making are what does that mean to you? What would it look like if that wasn't happening? What would it look like if that wasn't happening? What are the reasons that we would want that? What are the reasons we wouldn't want that? What are the assumptions upon what that's based? What if the opposite was true? I love, I love the question. What if the opposite of what you believe to be true was true? What would that mean to you? It really opens up when you're dealing with hypotheses. <laughs> it's looking at both ends of it. It's amazing at times over the years what I've found really great creative ideas taking the other person's view, the other stance, and seeing it from a different pair of shoes. Absolutely marvellous insights. Yes, it does take time to do these activities. But over and over and over I've found taking the time to plan really makes a difference. When an organisation is built on a culture of having answers the organisation really fails to access the massive amounts of data and countless new perspectives and at the same time builds dependency relationships that leave managers, team leaders overworked and stressed from frequent interruptions. People know a lot, yet in a society that rewards having the right answers workers and even managers are very reluctant to offer their wisdom for fear it's this fear thing fear they will say the wrong thing they watch carefully for signals about what the boss is looking for before saying anything if the average IQ of people in a group is 120 then more often than not the collective <laughs> intelligence of the group is 60. People are afraid. Afraid to build on their individual knowledge they're knowing. They're afraid to expose their ideas because they fear being wrong or because they can't prove something. They know intuitively. For me, that's why it's so important for the leader to recognise his or her role in helping people discover that they have the answers and then providing them with space 
for discovering the answer. And that's back to the principle of service leadership. Some would call it servant leadership, the inverted triangle. Silence is uncomfortable for most of, most of us in a Western culture. When there's a gap in a meeting during which there's no talking. Most managers feel they need to rescue a group, either by giving them an answer or by changing the subject. This attitude creates a codependent relationship. Providing space means just that. The heart leader can accept a few minutes of silence. Have yet to encounter a normal group in which, after two or three minutes of silence, someone doesn't jump in to rescue the group from the space for thought and reflection. When I throw out challenging questions to a group, I'm patient in letting time lapse. When comments come, they're usually something like, do you know the answer? Or, it's so complicated and confusing. Or even, I don't know. With persistence, I tell the group, I'd, I don't know the answer, but I'm sure it's in the room. Without fail, it is. One person finally comes up with a piece, almost always has something to add, and then another and another add pieces. And it's amazing. It just bounces ideas, and it grows and grows, and everyone wins. As I say, it's a win-win situation. I find the same thing happens in one-to-one meetings. The don't know or confused response is a common defence mechanism. Once there's been a reasonable amount of training and the workers developed a level of familiarity with both the individual job and how it fits into the larger organisation, then when the leader assures the worker that he or she has great insights, great creativity, then questions are responded with questions instead of answers. The leader often probes to assist accessing the answer. This process may not be a defined question such as have you thought of doing X, Y, Z? These questions are just answers with a question at the end of it. Open-ended questions such as, what are the possibilities? Are there other possibilities? Have you ever dealt with a similar situation? What do you, do you think might be important to consider? Stimulate a worker, a person's thought processes. Most of us know a lot more than we know we know. An effective heart leader is able to help people discover both that they have the answers 
they didn't know. They didn't know they had and they can make a meaningful change. It may even take an extended period of space. If the leader is comfortable saying, why do you think about it for an hour or so? Then we'll get by together. The space that's created often allows ideas to germinate. But also it's very important that the, the leader keeps his or her commitment to follow up, otherwise the worker may feel abandoned and discouraged if an answer hasn't came. It's giving support. Building healthy interdependent relationships rather than codependent ones is what we're heading for. Organisations I have worked with finally have the light bulb moment and understand that fear-based, fear-based culture impedes communication. And I've found that fear is usually, usually the basis for codependent workplace relationship. Knowledge and information are power bases for many managers. If they parcel out information piece by piece as it's needed, managers ensure that people are dependent on them. They're needed. They become the codependent, the person who enables the dependent party to remain dependent. At the same time, the worker who lives in a society that punishes mistakes and insists there is one right answer for every situation are actually quite glad to continue being dependent. A situation that has few risks. A wee while ago, I witnessed a man, let's call him Bill, a high-level executive in a large corporation in the Middle East. Panic, almost to the extent of becoming irrational, at the prospect of losing his codependent relationship. Bill had engineered that managers reporting to him at several sites around the country knew just enough to do their jobs, but not enough to work by themselves, autonomously. Earlier, Bill had talked about how busy he was and had boasted that these managers called him two or three times every day to get help with crises at their plants. In the past, Bill had always been able to designate the name managers to positions to ensure the continuation, you've got it, the continuation of the dependence relationship. When the company decided to build a new site, a new decentralised selection procedure was used. They called this lady Sue. A competent, knowledgeable prospective manager became a finalist for the job. Bill quickly realised Sue wouldn't need him at the, uh, as the other managers had. Classical organisation 
politics followed on, Bull was able to survive one more time. He didn't want someone that was independent. Real leaders are able to see through the bills. They're able to see that if companies are to achieve their full potential, everyone in them must use all the knowledge that they have. When leaders ask questions, they mine the knowledge that others have while broadening their own understanding of situations and increase the collective intelligence of the organisation. Get stronger, smarter and safer. Some things for to ponder over <laughs> this week. Connecting with others. Ask, listen, create space. Next week, I'd like to do a deeper dive into a new tool, shall we call it, a new tool called Dialogue. Till next week, bye now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.